welcome back to Hattrick Lacks Picks, the show where we analyze every game from every conference so you can make the best picks. As always, we're your hosts, the Three Garretts. This weekend, a lot of upsets. Ivy League did not look like Ivy League of last year. In shambles. I, yeah. I, a lot of great games, though. Maryland freaking confused the hell out of me. I, I, are they back now? Was Loyola just a blip in the season? Like they never left. <laughs> all right, Voight. Because that was a really impressive showing by them. I I loved every second of that game. Just I'll get into it, but they they just mixed their attack and midfield together and just put. Every, put them those guys out on the field and just said, go play lacrosse and just took positionless lacrosse to a whole new level. Middies were playing attack, attack were playing midfield. Great looks. Yeah. I mean, we're, this is week four of week zero. So four weeks have passed. We're a month into the season. And I feel like the narrative this season is, I don't, I don't know what's going on. And like we profess to be really good at picks and we're still doing pretty well overall, but there's games every week where we just like, we pick dark horses, we pick surprises. Like there's games we just don't see coming and they happen. And I feel like that's, that's been a unique rarity of this season, the sheer volume of that. And like last week we said it would happen again and like it did, but we just couldn't predict and it'll probably happen again this week. So that's what makes watching this game great. So it makes picking this game great. So Look, it'll be another great week, and you know we're in March. The calendar has turned by the time these games are happening for a lot of them, and it's a whole new, a whole new season for a lot of these teams. I know yeah. every single week, there's, I feel like there's at least five notable matchups that top twenty teams are playing each other, and it's just going to continually shake up the standings. Yeah, and with conference play starting up soon, I mean, a couple of Patriot League games are happening this week too. Um, Mac is getting started next week, so this is a this is a very uh, there's a, the window is closing on a lot of these teams mm-hmm. to get yeah. something going before the real season starts ramping up. Um, also, a lot of drama in D3 this weekend too. Gettysburg Glazers guys yes, went on a five, five goal run in that fourth quarter to take down Salisbury. That was great. Um, little, my little brother's team Lynchbury they took down number thirteen Cabrini. Uh, Started that game eight to nothing. Going, uh, I think close to halftime, it was probably like eight to two, eight to three, something like that. So D three, D three landscape is shaking up. Uh, Lynchburg has Salisbury on this this come uh, coming up ne- this weekend. Um, should be interesting. All right, let's go ahead and just hop right into our new top twenty for this week. So we had a few more teams receive votes this week. Uh, a couple of them, Syracuse, Boston, uh, and Brown, who had that shit packing um, against Vermont yesterday. Yes, sir. We'll recap that game shortly when we get to yeah. the Bears. In the top 20 for the first time all season. And I think it seems like since the first time since Grant Amen and Mac O'Keefe went there, it's the Penn State Nittany Lions. Back where they used to be, followed by Harvard, Delaware, Army, and at 16, Hopkins is still staying in the top 20. Moving on to 15 to 11, we've got 
Jacksonville at 15, Villanova at 14, Yale fell down to 13, Rutgers staying right at 12. I think they might have been right there last week, too, somewhere around there. They might have been and Loyola also fell out of the top 10. They are now 11 for us. Yeah, I mean, awesome, awesome weekend by Penn State in that game against Yale. Um, I wish Loyola pulled that game against Rutgers. Um, but rounding out the top 10 from 10 to 6, we have St. Joseph's, Penn, who took a brutal loss to Duke this weekend, UNC, who um, had a solid win against Syracuse, Princeton at uh, the number seven spot, who lost to my Terps this weekend. And then Ohio State, who I am very disappointed in at the number six spot. Yeah, but they're there. And I think surprisingly, Duke is back in the top five after like being a fringe top 20 team. Like they are all over the place this year. Uh, Cornell (laughs) holding fast at number four. And guess who's back? It's not Slim Shady. It's the Terps. They're at number three. Notre Dame and Virginia respectively stay at two and one. All right, and now let's uh, let's move on to dog of the week now. So, you know, awesome performances this weekend from a few guys. Uh, just highlight a few: Devin McLean, nine goals and an assist against Vermont yesterday. Uh, Matt Campbell for Villanova, five goals and an assist. Um, had that game-winning goal too uh, against Delaware yesterday. And uh, Peyton Cormier and Zach Cole for St. Joseph's. Um, all had very solid days. That goal went 24-24 um, and a goal as well. Mm-hmm. So um, some solid performances uh, this weekend. But as tradition for Dog of the Week, I try to always give it to a defenseman or a goalie or a short stick D midi. So I decided to go with Brett Maycar this week. Uh, six ground balls, four cause turnovers. Uh, just a physical presence and gave Princeton a real headache the entire game. He uh, picked off a couple of passes, and in the beginning of the game, he made a big hit in the middle of the field uh, when Princeton was clearing, led to a transition goal for the Terps, and was the first score of the game. Uh, dogs create juice plays, juice plays for their team, and that is a definition of a juice play. And that was one hell of a way to start the game, set the tone, honestly, for uh, the Terps. Uh, he's certainly living up to the reputation that the number one jersey has held with Maryland in in recent years, and he wears it well. He's a guy who plays with his heart on his sleeve and generally cares about genuinely cares about his teammates and their success over his own. Don't change, Brett Maycar. Who terps so far this season? Not that much of a shocker coming from Voight. I guarantee you, we won't see a Blue Jay. But who knows? Who knows? So this past weekend, we had 47 games, and this is how we all did. So updating the standings, coming in at last place now after a 33-14 weekend. Voight fell from grace. He had his one weekend at the top. Now he's at the bottom again. Overall hey. record of 98-35. and 35. You shouldn't have let me call him Voight if you didn't want me to say something like that. It's a, it's a game of runs. It's a game of runs. And, you know, if you... If you aren't humble at the top, you're not going to be too humble at the – you're not going to feel too good at the bottom, so. <laughs> All right. Not too comfortable of a lead for me. I am one game above Voight. I fared two games better this past week. I went 35-12. and 12. My overall record is now 99-34. and 34. 
Glazer has a little bit of a cushion after this week. He went 37 and 10, had the best week's record. His overall is now 101 and 32. The only one of us to be over 100 picks correct this season so far. Wait, I, I think my video cut out. Could you repeat that last part again? No, I'm simply oh, not. Oh, okay. Okay. I just want to make sure that I'm the first one to 100 wins and, and that you guys, you guys. Just, just say the first game for this week. Oh, okay. Just... All right. Hey, okay. hey, Dry, hey, Glazer, Glazer. I'm proud of you. Good job. Thanks, thanks, bud. Yeah, I support you. All right. <laughs> well, as I said, when you hear this podcast, if you listen to it the day of its release, it'll be the final day of February in 2023. And there will be a couple of cross games to welcome you or to end you to the month. The first of which will be Monmouth going over the way to Wagner, fresh off a nice win of their own. Look, I've been, I think, going back to the Princeton game, Monmouth has been, I think, a decent team for me. I think uh, they probably have the best squad they have since since they won their conference and made the tournament a while back. Uh, so I like what I'm seeing from Monmouth, and I think this is a good win from them. Though I think Wagner uh, puts up more of a fight than I would have probably picked earlier in the year. Yeah, I like Monmouth in this one, too. But uh, Wagner had a confidence-boosting win. Uh, this weekend against Queens, capitalized on a lot of EMO opportunities and had seven different goal scorers as well. It's a good team win for the Seahawks. Um, but I think Monmouth, they, they're they playing with a lot of confidence uh, this year. Uh, and uh, I don't I don't see them losing this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm Monmouth all the way in this game. Wagner is kind of on the same path again this year as they have been most season. So next up. From the Tuesday slate, we have Rutgers taking on St. John's. Uh, Rutgers, big win at home against the Greyhounds this week. Uh, no sorry, Glazer, about that one. Mm, moving on. Uh, all right. But, yeah, um, St. John's, they're on a struggle bus right now. Um, not playing well, struggling to put together goals. Um, I think Rutgers takes this game on a short week. Rutgers does, and I'm really curious to see how Rutgers responds to that win against Loyola. Of course, they're going to win this game almost guaranteed, but you know, how do they win it? Do they win it casually? Do they win it well? I think it tells us a lot about Rutgers' team moving forward. But yeah, Scarlet Knights here. Once again, not too much on this game. Definitely Rutgers after they win against Loyola. Good stuff. All righty, next up we have Bellerman taking on the Bucknell Bison on a very short week. Um, Bellerman, of course, played yesterday. Against uh, Marist, had a tough, uh, had a tough one at that. Uh, had a slow first half. Kept Marist scoreless though in the third quarter, which is a big reason why they won that game. Um, Bucknell is coming off a hard, hard-fought Harvard game on Saturday. Um, very emotional game too. We all hope that Harvard player is uh, healthy and uh, in good spirits. Um, yes. Scary but, moment in that game. Very scary. Yeah. Very very scary. Yeah, so lacrosse world is a little little shocked that that, had, that happened, but our hearts are with them. Um, but yeah, I like Bucknell in this one, but I will say I don't like games like this with turnarounds like this. It's just gonna be a very sloppy game, I think, and it's prime for injuries too. So hopefully, everybody you know who's in this game just comes out with a little, a few just scratches and bruises, nothing too serious. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Voight. Uh, I know going into it, they have 
flipped records. Bellarmine's three and one, and Bucknell's one and three. But I, I think all of us are picking Bucknell in this game. I think Bucknell's just got a slight advantage as a team, and even though they're also away, I, I like them to win this one. I mean, credit to Bellarmine for putting together one hell of a season to start the year. And I was really, really tempted to take them uh, at home in this one just to keep that train going. But, you know, Bucknell has had success going south so far this year. And so I think they get this one. But I feel like it's a close one for sure. Moving on for our last game on Tuesday, we've got Cornell visiting Hobart Statesman. Hello, Cornell. (laughs) That was terrible pronunciation. Cornell looked a heck of a lot more like their normal selves against Lehigh. They held a team that had 39 goals in their first two games to only five in the game against them. If they can put up a performance like that again, I think they have no problem against Hobart. I think they, their defense needs to play pretty well though. I mean, they Hobart can put goals on the board. We know all, all of us know that. So just play well Cornell. And um, I like big red in this game. Yeah, agreed. Um, Cornell bounced back against Lehigh. I think they kept them, they held them scoreless in the second half of that game too, which was um, very impressive. Um, Hobart though, yeah, I agree. I think their offense is pretty good. They're very flashy at points, but I think their Achilles heel is their defense really. Um, I mean, they let Lehigh come back in the second half uh, and and torch them. And then uh, Colgate almost made a comeback as well but just couldn't close it. So, um, yeah, I have questions about this team. Like for me, Hobart is just like, what kind of team, what kind of Hobart team is going to show up today? Mm -hmm. And that's just how I feel about them right now. I'll probably change my opinion depending on how they play against Cornell. But I, I like the I like the big red in this one. Anytime you have a Syracuse Cornell Hobart triangular matchup, pretty much any any stats go out the window, right? When you have a game with this kind of history and this kind of geographical rivalry, like it, it's just a good lacrosse game and anything can happen. I'm going to go with Cornell here for the reasons you guys said, but look, Hobart can easily make this a game getting all fired up and juiced up. So could Cornell use it, lose it feasibly? I don't think they do. Yeah, it's the 140th meeting between these teams too. So definitely a lot of history. Cool. Upstate New York lacrosse, baby. All right, that's it for our Tuesday slate. We're moving on to Wednesday now. And our first game, there's only two that stay. We've got Loyola Greyhounds traveling to Towson Tigers. Not too far, just across Baltimore, a little bit up 83. (laughs) This game is big for both teams. Towson's already at one and two probably feel like they should be better than one and two and Loyola I think got stunned by Rutgers I did not think Rutgers was going to be able to beat them after losing the army and the way Loyola's defense had played so far this season but their Achilles Hill struck them and Loyola was only able to get six points on the board I I think Loyola is going to be able to bounce back I like them in this game this game has so much RPI implications for both teams and if either of them lose it, they have to bang on the at-large bid, I think. You mean Maybe not so much bid. Loyola. Or yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Conference bid. Automatic bid. You're right. Um, maybe not so much Loyola, but 
losing to a one and two Towson team is not going to be great for their their RPI strength. So I think Willow comes out firing all cinders, and I, I think they're going to win this game. Yeah, I mean, this is a game that Voight and I are going to go to, actually, on uh, Wednesday night. Uh, I'm very excited for that. will be good. Lucky um, dogs. Yeah, I, you know, for, I'm excited because it'll be my first in-person lacrosse game of the season. Um, you know, our Saturdays, we have to watch so many games, it's hard to actually go to games. But I think Loyola wins this one um, not going away, but maybe in that four to five goal margin where you feel like they always have a comfortable enough lead, but Towson's always going to hang around. So I like the Greyhounds. I told you I would never not pick them the rest of the year, and I'm not a liar. Um <laughs> But I think even if I was a truther, which I am, I'd take the Greyhounds. Yeah, I'm going to take Loyola here as well. Um, just, yeah, I was like you guys, I was surprised that they only put up six goals uh, in that game. Uh, they also went four for 10 at the faceoff in the second half, um, which was a really big stat for me um, when I was looking at the box score there. Because um, it seemed pretty, it looked pretty even. It just like they didn't win faceoffs. And they probably threw away, threw the ball away in key spots as well. I didn't get to watch the game, unfortunately, and I didn't have time to watch the replay. So, um, but yeah, it's a interesting game. Interesting that they lost that game, and Towson that game against Richmond was just frustrating to watch. Oh my goodness gracious, was it ever? Just yeah, just, chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah, just they, the offense threw away opportunities. Didn't help their defense. Um, I was also just wondering what the heck was going on with like some of the Towson attackmen because I I was just like watch just watching the game I was like these guys don't move like they're statues right now like what are they doing are they down on themselves like what's what's going on um yeah and with a Loyola team who's just much better than Richmond I I don't see Towson having any success all right moving on to our second Wednesday game on the slate we've got st bonaventure visiting umbc umbc looks incredibly dominant against mount this weekend i know it's not saying much because everybody's dominated against that team but except navy except navy you're right except navy. <laughs> um but i mean umbc also looked great in their opener against drexel i think they're going to continue the run at home i've got them against st bonaventure in this game yeah, I got UMBC too. Yeah, granted, the Bonnies are coming off a big win against a hot VMI team, which is certainly a confidence booster for them. Um, but I think this is going to be a pretty close game. But I, I like UMBC at home here. They, um, Listening to the announcers, they were like, this is a different team when they play at home. Um, they have a solid home record. So I, I don't see them not winning this game. We're going to touch on the Retrievers later. So I'm just going to say I take them here. I'm going to take them again, but I'll speak more about that later. So, yeah, retrievers of this Wednesday night. All right. Moving straight to Saturday. No Friday games this week. First one on the docket, we've got Denver traveling to UNC. So, UNC in their game against Hughes this weekend, they really honestly only had a slight lull in that third quarter where they saw Syracuse come back and close the gap to three, and then UNC just turned it on again and just shut them out of the game in a dominating fashion. I think they went on a six and two run after they got it to 13 to 10. Uh, UNC's looked great. They have 
blown past my expectations already this year as a team. Um, and this is a subpar Denver squad for Denver expectations. And I think UNC doesn't help that Denver has to travel cross country again to UNC for, a, for an 11 a.m. game. Yeah, I. Wow. Everything's pointing towards UNC in this game. I'm picking them. I will. I will second that. I and I will echo the statements as well. I am shocked that UNC is our eighth ranked team in the country. I did not think that they would crack the top 10 this year, but they've been impressive and they've beaten the right teams. And who knows what they're capable of. Uh, I just, I don't have faith in Denver. I think they traveled well when they played Duke, but that's Duke and they play well against Duke and against North Carolina. It's, it's, it feels like it's just different. So I feel better about picking North Carolina in this game than I did when Denver played Duke. So yeah, I'm going to go with the Tar Heels. They're surprising me in in a lot of good ways. Yeah. I don't got much to add about UNC. Their defense looks great. They got shooters all over the field. Um, they're looking like a solid squad right now and they're looking to play in May. Um, so, and Denver for Denver, this is, this is the first in a very tough gauntlet for the pioneers. They got UNC, then they got to play Yale, Ohio state. Then they got a speed bump, uh, against the Georgetown frauds. And then they got to go up against a good Villanova team. So it's going to be a tough few weeks for the pioneers, but I, I, I like UNC here. I just think they're the better team right now. Next up, we have Monmouth, uh, the second game of the week, going over to Emmitsburg, where I'm sure it will still be quite chilly, even though it will be the month of March. And much for the same reason that I took Monmouth against Wagner, I'm taking Monmouth in this game as well. I, St. Mary's defense has shown to be not what they were in that Navy game. They've just let in way too many goals than I think they should. And I think, honestly, St. Mary's has disappointed me a little bit. I didn't think they'd be a fantastic team, but I thought they'd be better than what they are right now. So I'm going to take Monmouth. Yeah, I'm surprised at just how sloppy and just, like, how much they've failed to stay in games that I thought they would be competing in at the beginning of the season. Um, Yeah, I'm not impressed by Mount St. Mary's. Um, Monmouth, I said what I said earlier, very confident team. Uh, very good team around them. Uh, they seem to play like a unit. I like uh, Monmouth here. Yeah, Mount St. Mary's is bad. That is all. I'm taking Monmouth <laughs> in this game. All right, next up, Mercer is welcoming the Air Force Falcons this uh, this weekend. Uh, it's the first ASUN game for both teams. Uh, both teams had losses this, this past weekend. Um, I was very surprised that Air Force lost to Stony Brook by as much as they did, never led in the game despite holding Stony Brook scoreless in the second quarter. 19 turnovers, 11 for 26 of the faceoff dot. Just not a good performance by them. Um, and neither was Mercer. Like, I mean, they played Army. That's pretty self explanatory there. So I'm going to go with a, uh, Air Force here. Yeah, I, I like Air Force. I mean, Stony Brook is a long trip. That might just be a blip. I know this is a long trip, but Mercer is not Stony Brook. So I like the Falcons in this game. I agree. I think Air Force gets off to a strong start in the A-Sun in this one. Alrighty, I'm excited for this next one, boys. Cleveland State's playing Canisius. It's the first game, Cle- first game Cleveland State has played since February 19th. Just a lot of prep, a lot of rest for these guys. 
Canisius had the loss against Bobby Moe yesterday. Um, yeah, I like Cleveland State here. Um, just I like watching them play. I know Glazer loves watching them play as well. So, um, yeah, go Vikings. What a gritty matchup this is. I mean, this is just straight grit lacrosse. And this will not be a pretty lacrosse game, but it will be entertaining. You might think you're watching an MMA fight at some point. It'll be that scrappy. Uh, I am also going to take the Vikings. And I'm going to take the Vikings because I'm really pleased with their scheduling. Vikings have only played two games. They're 0-2. But they've played Notre Dame and Ohio State. Two teams that have at one point like been in the top 10, been in the top 5. Like That is fantastic experience for a team like Cleveland State to have. And Canisius has played okay teams, but by no means that same caliber. Uh, last year, Cleveland State traveled to Canisius, and they defeated the Griffs 12-11. to Boys, we all took the home team last year, uh, and Canisius disappointed us. So I'm going to go with the home team this year and hope I'm not disappointed and stick with the Vikings and hope that, that those early season tests pay off in this one. Oh, boy. Canisius is... Looking like a contender for worst team of the season so far for me. Oh, wow. They have played four games. Glazer, like you said, it's not the best competition. Now, I won't, it's not like scrubs that they're playing against either. It's, I think, middle of the pack, every single one. Yes. But they're losing by an average of eight goals a game right now. Huh. They have played Hobart, Bellarmine, Michigan, and Robert Morris. And... This next game against Cleveland State, it does not help that they've had such a long time to prep for this game. Like Voight said, it's away from home. I I just, I don't see a way Canisius is going to pull this one out. I think Cleveland State has everything going for them. And they got to play against two really good teams. Got to see where all their weak points are, because that is exactly what you get to see when you play teams like that. And they've had such a long time to implement and work on what their weaknesses are. It's just, Cleveland State is just, it's calling my name in this game. It's calling my name. Uh, Next up, we have a a top 10 matchup here. We have Ohio State uh, hosting Cornell, Big Red in their second game of the week this week. Uh, Ohio State, uh, man, that was, just watching that UVA game was a struggle. Um, You know, I expected them to, you know, play fast, and, you know, uh, take a step up on UVA. Um, but just long possessions, throwing the ball away, struggling to catch and throw in the early parts of the game, stuff you just can't do against the number one team in the country. Um, and also, I also just think they just left plenty of chances on the field. Like, there were a couple of guys I was watching on Ohio State where – I was like, just shoot the ball. And then they just like either get scared that a slide is going to come or they don't think they have enough space. Um, so, yeah, I think they left a lot of a lot of stuff on the field in that game. Uh, also, just turning the ball over 23 times, uh, going 0 for 2 on EMO. UVA is not going to get many penalties in a game, so you really got to capitalize on those opportunities as well. But I think these are all very fixable. Um, Cornell's a different team, and they're playing at home. Um, I I think Ohio State is resilient this week, and 
pays attention to the little details in practice, and I think they take this game against Cornell. Oh, boy, this is a great game to me. I'm not going to harp on it again because Void just explained it really well. Ohio State did not look great this past weekend. I don't know if it's because Ohio State just regressed a little bit or if UVA just decided to really turn on the afterburners like we all know that they have the ability to do. Because that second half was just, it looked like they weren't playing a ranked team. They won 10-2 in the second half. Like, they didn't put in effort, it looked like. And I, I, on the other hand, Cornell is on the up. And part of me really, really wants to pick Cornell solely because Cornell's defense looked absolutely lights out against Lehigh. They had, I think, almost 20 caused turnovers that game including ride and set defense, like sixes defense. Um, and that is also on top of Sisselberger going 70% at the X for Lehigh. Cornell did not do well at the X. And Erlin and Cage for Cornell only had a 44% save percentage. Granted, he only saw nine shots because their defense just was a lockdown, like I said. But I, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to pick Cornell on this game. Wow. I'm talking myself into it, even though they're away at, at Ohio State. I, I think Cornell realizes that they have to have to know that it is ripe for the picking for them to have all of the benefit of every single other Ivy League fumbling the bag and losing a game so far, ex- ex- except, except for them. Except Dartmouth. Except Dartmouth. You know what I mean. <laughs> every single other team is lost now in the Ivy. Except for Dartmouth. Yes, except whatever. Dartmouth. Josh, you know what I mean? But Cornell, it is in their hand now. And if they just don't let it go, like if they go into Ivy League undefeated or into, yeah, conference play undefeated, it's their conference to lose in my mind if they do that. And I think they have to recognize that a team. I think them beating Lehigh is a step towards them realizing that. And I, yeah, I like them in this game now that I've talked myself into it. Wow. I, I could tell you were the, the the tone in your voice was changing. It was like, okay, this guy's gonna switch up. This is one that I was very much so teetering on the edge. Ladies and gentlemen, our first live switch of the season. I'm here for it, but I am going to to to, to disagree. Uh, yeah. <laughs> look, last year this win for Cornell put them on the map. Like Princeton's with uh, when Princeton beat Georgetown last year, like that put them on the map for the Ivies. Last year, we all took the Buckeyes, who were ranked fifth at the time. Big Red were ninth. This was a close game. Uh, Ohio State lost 15 to 11. And then Ohio State, remember, this this game happened a second time in the, in the tournament. And Ohio State got rocked 15 to 8. Like, that was a not a good game from Ohio State's perspective whatsoever. Here's what I think. I think Ohio State plays the way that Rutgers did against Loyola. They're coming off a loss. They're going to show up. And I do not think that they drop this third one in the series. Boys, I just alluded to it. Dartmouth, the lone unbeaten Ivy after this weekend. Moving on. Oh, boy. That'll be a world that we live in. All right. Next game we've got coming up. We have the Michigan Wolverines traveling to our number 18 team, Delaware Blue Hens. This game is... It's interesting because it's two teams that are 
in different spots. Michigan decided to take a different approach this season, front load their schedule so they didn't go 7-0 and and then go 0-8 and and have a tale of two seasons like they did last year. And I honestly really think that it just made them realize they're bad at the beginning of the season rather than at the end of the season. I, they have had shockingly shaking perform like shaky performances against mediocre teams. A Hofstra game, a one goal game. That if they're just Hofstra is middling at best, and they shouldn't have such a shaky performance like that. They kept UVA within four, which is a great job for them. But then this, they just, I don't even want to call it like too much a surprise because Marquette's a good, solid team. And they came into Michigan and smacked them in the mouth. And I do not think Delaware is going to let themselves lose two games in a row after that heartbreaker against Nova. They had a great fourth quarter comeback to tie that game. And then just Campbell's a all-star for a freaking reason, man. He's a great player. And I think Delaware is just going to pull themselves together. They're not going to lose two in a row, especially to a shaky Michigan squad. I I like the Blue Hens at a lot in this game. Yeah, last year, this was a really interesting 16-17 ranked matchup. Like, they were both right next to each other in the rankings. And this was a huge win for Big Blue last year. They won 18-8. to Like, that was kind of shocking. And we thought, okay, this Michigan team is now 7-0. Are they for real? And the answer was no, they were not. I was the lone fool to, to take the Blue Hens in this game. But as Dryvan said, this was the last game Michigan won last year. This was the last one they won in, in the in beginning of March. And then they just lost all the other ones. There's a reason this episode's called Hot and Cold. We'll allude to it like we did la- last week with the episode title. Michigan is the definition of hot and cold this year. I don't know who is going to show up how they're going to play. Like, it's so unpredictable. I think for Delaware, losing to Villanova was the best thing that could have happened to that team. I think Villanova very well could be the hardest team they play this year. And I think they learn from it. And I think they continue a a strong season to the CAA. And I think they beat Michigan and they get revenge for this one last year. Yeah, Michigan, or not Michigan, Delaware is playing great lacrosse uh, this season. Um, And yeah, I agree with you, Glaze. I think that, despite the loss to, to Villanova yesterday, that's probably the best thing that could have happened to them at this point in the season. Um, Michigan, however, uh, Dryband said it, like they they haven't proven that they can soundly beat teams like Marquette and Hofstra, um, who similar to Michigan are just growing programs, growing their programs and trying to become relevant teams in their conference and their association. So. If you want to take that next step, you got to beat teams like that. And yeah, they beat Hofstra, but it was one goal, and Hofstra's getting better by the week. Marquette blew them out of the water 14 to 9. Um, so yeah, I, I like the Blue Hens here. Um, just not liking how the Wolverines are playing. After three very big games, might be three, three games of the weekend right there. Uh, we come back down a little bit to somewhat mediocrity, and we see a Marquette Golden Eagles team on the road to Detroit Mercy. It's going to be Marquette here. I think that win against Michigan was really validating. I think uh, they've had a pretty decent season so far, and I think they look, they can think about contending in the Big East a little bit. Uh, their success makes that conference very interesting. So, yeah, they're going to beat Detroit Mercy. Yeah, um, I'm with you there. I'm, I like Marquette. 
uh, Detroit Mercy, same boat as Cleveland State. They haven't played since February 11th, but they're, I don't, they're, they're not Cleveland State. They're not Marquette, so I'm, I'm going to take the Golden Eagles here. Yeah, I've loved how Marquette's played this year so far. I like them a lot in this game, too. Next up, we have Sacred Heart hosting the Drexel Dragons, who came up huge for me in that win over Lafayette in that midweek game. Sacred Heart, I think we all can agree, has played some pretty tough games this year, meaning like they've, they've played tough, they've played with a lot of heart, they've, with the exception of one here or there, um, they've given themselves a shot. And Drexel's been a little, sh- little shaky themselves. They lost to UMBC. It was a very shaky win against Lafayette. However, I-, I have to go with what I know, and I feel like I know the Dragons a little bit more. Yes, they're on the road, but I think that team beating Lafayette was a huge was a huge moment in them for their season and for making sure they kind of don't let it get away from them. And I think uh, another win against Sacred Heart does them even better. So I'm going to take the Dragons. Yeah, I don't think Drexel wants to get down to one and three this quick to begin the season after this past uh, weekend's loss to Albany. Uh, like you said, Glazer, win against Lafayette's huge. This win against Sacred Heart's even bigger, I think. So I think Dragons are going to come out with all their heart and try to beat the Sacred Heart team that has not had great luck this season so far. Yeah, Sacred Heart hasn't had too great of a season. Lost a tough one to Stony Brook. Um, really, that game just seemed like they had no chance but i think they're due for a win here soon with that said i said it a few weeks ago i'm not very high on drexel because every time i pick them they lose so this is a win-win situation for me i picked i'm picking drexel but if they if they lose they prove my point they win i get another dub in the column so not too, not too upset about that one. So yeah, easy, go Dragons. Easy enough. <laughs> Next up, we have our surprise team of the week, the Fairfield Stags, after a very, very impressive road performance against Richmond, a game which they probably feel they could have won, which would have been, I think, in many ways, the season and program defining win. They're on the road and they're going across the way to Rhode Island to take on Providence where last year they beat the Friars 15-11. to 11. Uh, Last year, Voigt was the lone, lone one of us to take Providence. And look, this series has alternated the past five meetings. So, you know, they've alternated winning the past five, which makes this game even harder to pick. But like I said, and like we all agreed in terms of our surprise team, the Stags played very well against Richmond. They showed their class in a lower scoring game for a team that likes to score a lot of goals. I'm very tempted to take Providence here because they're home, but I do not like how they played against Brown nor St. Joe's. So I have to go with Fairfield. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm just Providence. They fall apart and they felt there. They have fallen apart in the second half, especially in that game against Brown, which they kept pretty close in the first half and that St. Joseph's game. Um, they have a total of four goals in the second half from both of those games, two from the Brown game, two from the St. Joseph's game. Um, and, you know, Fairfield beat down on Sacred Heart last Wednesday, fell to Richmond yesterday. Um, Richmond, granted, they did have a game on Friday, so they were on a short turnaround. But I think Fairfield looked really good. They kept getting back up when Richmond uh, kept their own punches and went on a run. 
So, yeah, I like the Stags here. Um, also, big congrats to my cousin, Lucy. Just decided to attend Fairfield this fall. Big congrats to her. Mine will be quick. I'm taking Fairfield as well. Stags' most impressive game this season to me. Might be a little bit of a conundrum, but it is the loss against Richmond. They played great in that game. And I, I think it's because one simple fact. They're a super young team that is only getting better every single game with experience. Crazy fact. They have 15 players that have scored a point this season. Only two of them are seniors. Watch out CAA in three years. Great for the program. All righty. Next up, it's another marquee matchup we pointed out for this weekend. Hobart is playing Bobby Moe, Robert Morris, for those uninitiated. Uh, Bobby Moe has had some strong second-half finishes uh, this uh, so far this season. Um, they've also won the last three matchups. Um, all went down to the wire, though. Um, but it shows their resiliency. It shows they're not afraid of adversity. Hobart, in the last two games, has let their opponents catch up to them in the second half, uh, whether they won or lost those matchups. Um, I think this year is no different, and we'll be treated to another exciting one-goal-type game. But I think Bobby Moe takes this one. Yeah, I, I, I'm i going to come right out with it. Voight, I agree with you for once. Um, I really wanted to what? pick Hobart in this game. I, I, I thought he took Hobart. I thought he took Hobart. Oh, my word. I I'm really kind of wanted to pick Hobart with you for or I like I wanted to pick Hobart for once. Robert Morris though. You shouldn't be offended. You got it right before me. I'll say it that way. How about that? No, I'm offended that you agree with me, like for once. <laughs> 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 well, I digress. Oh, continue. Yeah, yeah. Keep going. Bobby Mo, I, I'm skeptical of them. They haven't played great, great competition this year so far. Um but they are at home against Hobart. Hobart has the midweek clash against Cornell, like I said. And that might be a deflating loss for Hobart. Uh, and Bobby Moe has all week to prepare, and it's at home. I just it All the signs put, point to Bobby Moe in this game. And like Voight said, Hobart is shaky. And it's not a question of which team's going to show up for that game. It's a question of which game, team is going to show up per quarter. <laughs> and you don't know right. which team's going to show up per quarter. So I, for all of those reasons, I like Bobby Moe in this matchup. Yes, I will have to be the third one to take Bobby Moe on this one as well. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be an emotional week for Hobart. Playing Cornell is always big for the program. And no matter if they win or lose, it's just going to be emotionally draining. And I think to then have to go a pretty far away to eastern Pennsylvania, or sorry, western Pennsylvania outside of Pittsburgh, like that's 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 tough for a team and a delicate team like Hobart who loses leads. Like Void said, the history here is pretty rich. Um, I'll just point out the last time these two teams played, the NEC championship game. Bobby Moe yes, beat Hobart eleven to ten back when Bobby Moe was in the NEC. Only thing I'll add, put this game on your TV. This game has awesome, awesome history. It's a great tradition of being a very good, close lacrosse game. Yeah, I think Bobby Moe wins, but I think Hobart fights. 
put this one on your TV. All right, moving on to our next matchup. We've got a couple quick hitters here in, uh, for the next few games after those more larger games there. We've got oh, Villanova. Christ, I just looked at the list. Oh, my yeah. God. We've got Villanova traveling to Hofstra for this game. Nova looked fantastic against Delaware. Ground out that gritty win against a really good Delaware team. I'm, I don't think Hofstra can touch these guys. I like Nova in this matchup. Yeah, um, I like Nova in this in this game too. Um, that game against Delaware, probably game of the year so far for me, at least. Just went down to the wire. Um, I know Dryban, you weren't too happy with the uh, the final minute or and a half of that game. It irked but, me. But you know, it, shit happens. <laughs> um, but I will. I I'm gonna defend Hofstra just a little bit. Um, because they've won games that they should have, but they've also stayed games that stayed close in games that I thought they would get blown out in at the beginning of the year. Two of their losses are one goal games, um, which is a big, um, big thing to say. Other than the St. Joe's and Merrimack game, they haven't turned the ball over 15 times. Um, but Nova's a tough opponent. Um, they have they have some tough opponents, or they played at some tough opponents so far: Penn State, Yale, Delaware yesterday. Um, so yeah, I don't see Nova falling to these guys, but I will say Hofstra has been playing pretty well. All I will add is a credit to the three of us in our rankings. We have consistently ranked Villanova higher than anyone else normally before they got this big win against Delaware. And I think we've shown our prowess here by knowing this Villanova team and their potential. So kudos to us. And yes, they beat Hofstra. You guys are a top 10 in my book, just saying. <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, we have Lehigh <laughs> taking on Navy <laughs> this week. Your weekend. favorite team, boy. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> just, yeah, that game, that game against High Point that Navy had as advertised. Um, close game, higher scoring game than I thought, but just a close game between meh teams. Um, Lehigh um, didn't, uh, I said earlier, didn't score at all in the second half against Cornell, um, first Patriot League game for these teams. Uh, Lehigh is one of the last six games of this matchup. Navy hasn't beaten Lehigh since 2018. And Navy also hasn't reached double digits in this matchup since 2018 when they won that game 10-8. to Navy is struggling in desperate need of a Patriot League win. Um, but I think Lehigh bounces back, and they take down the midshipmen. Yeah, I, Navy downtrend lehigh even with the loss to cornell uptrend for me i like the mountain hawks in this game i was really concerned that navy high point game that navy was going to come back and win and i was concerned because i was going to be like no maybe you don't deserve this win and i'm <laughs> glad they did because they didn't and they don't deserve this win i don't think unless they put on a performance that shocks us all but they haven't shown us it yet and so I got to go with Lehigh. I think they're playing playing pretty well despite the Cornell game. And uh, yeah, I think they win despite that they're away. Fun matchup for our next game. This is a battle of zero win teams, baby. Somebody's coming home with their first win of the season in this game. We've got the LIU Sharks traveling to UMass Lowell. And I like LIU in this game solely because this is a team that had a good season last year not just a good season for them it was a good season last year 
and they have to be hungry for a win. I, I can't imagine what this team feels like. So because of that, like Voigt mentioned earlier in the episode, Mac play starts next week. And I think that's going to fuel LIU. I think they're going to go out there and I think they're going to get their first win of the season to give some confidence going into the conference play. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, if there was a struggle bus for the year, these two teams would definitely be at the front with Canisius and NGIT and Wagner. Um, LIU has lost games to Merrimack and Hofstra. They're 0-2 on the year, right? If I'm mistaken. I, I think um, LIU's 0-3 now. 0-3. Oh, 0-4. 4. 0-4. Oh, gosh. Let's keep right. that tally going. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but Merrimack and Hofstra, those were two teams that they beat last year. And, you know, you know last year was last year. This is now. Um, if you're LIU and you're at this point in the season, Max starting up next week, um, it's, pretty, it's pretty up in the air, that conference, um, other than Manhattan. Um, UMass Lowell, they played some tough opponents too. Quinnipiac, UMass, and Siena. I think this game can go either way. So I'm going to flip to UMass Lowell here. Whoa! I'm going to take this game. I'm going to flip to the Riverhawks. I'm going to keep it short and say that if you're LIU, I know you're new to D1, but you're not, not that new and you've just lost to Lindenwood, you're not going to lose to UMass Lowell. Take the Sharks. All righty. Next up, Marist is uh, visiting Bucknell this weekend. Uh, yeah, just another short turnaround for Bucknell. Um, I, hate, I, I said it earlier, I hate short turnaround games like that with Bellarmine. It's just... Um, it's just a hot spot for injuries and shit like that. Um, Marist, I thought their game against Bellarmine was probably their best game of the season, but still couldn't get it done. So I'm going to take Bucknell here. They got athletes, Marist athletes. I don't think they can hold up against them. Yeah, I mean, Marist is making me look like a fraud because here I was back when I played Rutgers saying, hey, guys, like Marist can make this a game. And they, they've just been bad ever since. And it's made me look a fool. And so I am now off the Marist, the Marist choo-choo train because it's so tiny. And I'm going to take the Bison. And I think that they win. I think Marist maybe fights, but I'm disappointed in you, Marist. You've made me look a fool. So I'm not picking you. Listen, we've never claimed to be experts here. So don't take any of our picks for, <laughs> for like granted or not for granted for just set in stone. So we're just here to talk and discuss. Yeah. We're, we're here to entertain. <laughs> make your own, make your own decisions, dry band. Um. <laughs> hey, I am. Sometimes they just agree with other decisions. So this game, yeah, I'm on the same boat. Bucknell all the way here. Marist is looking like they're on the way to the struggle bus also. If not yeah. already on it. I think they're probably already on it. They're 0-4. Yeah. They're on it. They're just in the middle seats where nobody really pays attention. <laughs> A sneaky 0-4. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next up, we have some 
I guess, quasi-darling teams of the year. Merrimack, America's team, on the road to Quinnipiac, fresh off that stunner to Brown, and then the just slap in the face by Bryant, which yours truly happened to call. No big deal. It's not like I know what I'm doing or anything. All right. You weren't the only one. (laughs) I was actually the only one to not do it. (laughs) There's the headline. (laughs) All right. This game has not been played since 1998. So this one will be shaping up to be a good one. Um, Look, uh, Merrimack played Denver pretty well. Of course, no one watched that because no one's going to pay to watch Denver streams on Denver's sports network. We need to change that. But I think Merrimack played well, from what I heard. So, and I think they're, uh, despite the two losses, I think they're going to be competitive. And I think that Quinnipiac, I wouldn't say they're frauds, because I think that was a unique win against Brown. But I think Merrimack's the more mature team here. I still like their defense. I still like their kind of juice, the juice bench. So, yeah, I'm going to go against the Bobcats and take the Warriors. Even though... Mary Max on a two-game losing streak. They have been well in both of these games. They only lost to Denver by four at Denver. And I mean, that was their first away game of the year was at Denver. Like, what an away game to have as your first one. And Quinnipiac, just, just no, boys. What a shame not, for you. I'm not picking them again. I can't do it. I can't, I can't hold myself to do that, so. Yeah, I think... I think we were all victims to just anomaly games, especially early in the season, Brown and Quinnipiac being one of them. But yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. Uh, It's the last non-conference game for each team before they uh, start up conference play for them. So this is a tremendous game for momentum. Uh, I did have Quinnipiac on my board for a little bit before I flipped back to Merrimack. Just because I think Merrimack's playing well. They played tougher competition. I think that Quinnipiac game against Brown was probably a little bit of a too-good-to-be-true type deal. So I'm going to go with uh, the Warriors here, bounce back, and get ready for conference play. We've got our next game for this weekend. We've got St. John's visiting Binghamton. Binghamton's offense got completely shut down by Lafayette this past weekend. And I am very much so of the thought process that this is a rebound game for Binghamton. They have played well in games up to um, their matchup against Lafayette. And honestly, it blew me away that that game was as lopsided as it was. I I did not expect that to be 4-10 in favor of Lafayette. Lafayette could have won, but I would have thought it'd be a much closer scoreline than doubling up, over doubling them. So I think Binghamton's going to be able to bounce back at home. And the St. John's team has not won a game yet. They played some good teams so far. But I just, they have a midweek game against Rutgers on the 28th of February. And they've got a short turnaround for Binghamton. I I think the uh, the Bearcats are going to win this one. It's a shame for the Red Storm because I think if they don't have the Rutgers game, they probably have much more of a fighting chance against Binghamton or they hype themselves up to say, hey, this is the game we can get. But I think Rutgers just runs them into the ground. And I think Binghamton, like you said, it's a team where we've been pretty pleasantly surprised with. 
you know, outside of the Lehigh loss and or sorry, Lafayette loss. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Binghamton. I still like what I'm seeing from the from the Green Cats. I think that Binghamton game against Lafayette was one of those like one of those weird games like we had last year with them where, oh yeah, Binghamton's hot. Like, let's take them. Why not? And then they get shit pumped by whoever they played. And I think this is another opportunity for that to happen, honestly. Because <laughs> like, St. John's, they, they're 0-3. They're probably going to go 0-4 because they, they're playing Rutgers tomorrow. Um, they they want to win. They need a win. Um, Binghamton, they do have a long week ahead of them. But, again, this is a weird game to me. I get a weird feeling <laughs> about Binghamton. But I'm going to take them to prove a point that, if this is a weird game, if St. John's wins, they prove my point. If Binghamton wins, I get another win. So <laughs> go Bearcats, go Red Storm, go Johnnies, or whatever they call themselves. Points so, winning in all kinds of ways this week. I'm playing the mental game here, <laughs> unlike Yale this past weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have a pretty intriguing matchup in the afternoon. Brown with a two-win week is going over to Stony Brook, which certainly helped me out against Air Force. I thought they played exceptionally well against the Falcons. Uh, Look, Brown, I think we all can agree, is this past week showed the team that they're capable of. They're capable of being. Um, Brown, we have as our fun team to watch. And I will say, if you have a spare moment on Thursday, when there's no, or Thursday or Friday, when there's no lacrosse games, go on to ESPN+. Plus. Pull up that Vermont Brow game. Watch it. It is loads of fun. It is a freaking blizzard in Burlington, Vermont. It, yeah. It's it's just an awesome lacrosse game to see it in the snow. It's like a playoff NFL football game. And you know what? You get to see Devin, McC- Devin McLean, what, put up 10 points? Yep. Get some hot cocoa. Pull up this game on replay. Watch it. Brown is a fun team again. They're back, I think, depending upon how this game goes. But I think that I'm going to take Brown. I think they beat Stony Brook. But I think Stony Brook, by all accounts, puts up a very, very good fight. If you have time in the afternoon, I'd put this one on the TV. Yeah, I I agree with everything Glazer said. And to his point, we have Stony Brook as our dark horse of the week, which emphasizes the fact that we all think that Stony Brook has a chance in this game. Uh, Brown does look like they might be back. I think the real test is going to be not to look too far ahead or anything, but the week after Stony Brook, Brown plays North Carolina, and that is going to be the measuring stick to see if they are truly what we thought they would be this season or if they just went on a little bit of a run and then they're, you know, going to stay fringe, not contend too much. But I think Brown also realizes that, and I think they're, focusing a hell of a lot on Stony Brook right now to make sure they get to that North Carolina opportunity and they don't stumble up and lose it. And they're just out of contention for everything again already. So I like Brown. They have played with momentum the last two games since that Quinnipiac upset. And I think they're going to take it to the Seawolves. Yeah. I like Brown in this one as well. Um, Devin McLean is an arcade game. Um, He's going to do the same. He's probably going to do the same thing against Stony Brook, but yeah, Stony Brook has surprised me. I think they'll go far this season, farther than many people will think. Um, but I, I think it's the I think Brown has momentum. I think they're hot. They found their groove after that Quinnipiac game. I like them in this one. 
moving on to another Maryland in-state rivalry game. We have the Towson Tigers traveling to UMBC. This is a great game. I, I already know it will be. Knowing the skill levels that these teams are and what the seasons they've had so far. UMBC has had a great mixture of great defensive play and showing that their offense is able to put goals on the board this season. Uh, their goalkeeper, Jason Ting. Sure. Yeah. Uh, he has a 63% save percentage after two games. And I think they've held the two teams they play due to six and seven goals each. And now I know this Towson team, they're going to be real hungry for a win. Like I said earlier, they're one and two right now. And I think they'll be one and three by the time this game comes around. It's going to be a gritty fight. I think it's going to be a low scoring affair. And I think UMBC edges Towson with that home field advantage to take this win. You should drive in. I'm pretty pissed off at you because I thought I was going to be the unique creative one to go outside the box and take UMBC. But no, we're leaving Voigt to be the only one to take the Tigers. And he's all <laughs> pissy about it. So let me talk I'm about actually, UMBC. I'm actually very fat. I'm very happy about it, actually. <laughs> okay, actually very let, me, let, me con- <laughs> let me contextualize my pick. Like Drabman said, historically, this game is super, super, super low scoring. Defense, I think, will once again win this matchup again. We all took the Tigers last year. They won 11-10. We all have said we liked what we've seen from Towson this year. A lot better than we expected. However, I think the Tigers embody their mascot on Wednesday when they tussle with Loyola. I think it's going to take everything out of them to try to get a win in that game. And it's going to take a lot defensively and a lot offensively to try to break down that Greyhound defense. So. For that reason, I like UMBC. I think UMBC has a relatively comfortable win versus the Bonnies. And Voigt's probably going to punch me in the face here. But I think if the Retrievers win against St. Bonaventure and then they beat Towson, I'm not saying they're top 20, but I think they're barking their way up to potential top 20. I'll leave it there. I hate that you just said that. (laughs) Do you guys think I'm just a violent person? Like, the heck? Um, but you left no, a I note would... on my notes saying that how terrible of a pick it was. Yeah, because you <laughs> took UMBC over Towson. Like, but I wouldn't say it's like, I wouldn't say like they're they don't deserve to not be in the top twenty if they do win those games. Um, but I just don't see UMBC winning this game. They they've only won one matchup in this game uh, since 2012. Uh, Towson leads the series overall 35 to 16. They've won four of the last five, um, probably more, because I don't look past the last five games if a matchup goes over 15. <laughs> um, yeah, UMBC, like, they look good. I like their defense, but they also played Mount St. Mary's. That doesn't hold a bunch of weight to me. So Boy, if, I agree with that. Boy, if Towson wins this game, I give you permission to call Dryband and I idiots next week. I will call Dryband on the phone. <laughs> oh, you no, that's <laughs> not okay. <sighs> Moving you know on to two, you know, you know, you're my two favorite people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I don't know about you two, but this next game is a battle of disappointments for me this week, and disappoint me, both of them did. 
we have our number 13 team, the Yale Bulldogs, going to visit the UMass Minutemen. And boy, oh boy, I was disappointed by both of them. Yale at least put up a good fight at the end against Penn State. They came back. They gave it their all. They didn't just let the game crumble and go away. UMass's offense decided to run on the field against Boston and take a giant dump and do nothing that game. They did nothing. They scored six goals. And we even said it. Glazer said it. You said that UMass is not going to score more than 10 goals, but no. I don't think they need to score more than that. Well, they did. They needed they to did. score more than that. They definitely needed those 10. It's not so much of a panic for UMass as it is for Yale, though. Yale is our panic team of the week. It's a soft panic. We all agreed on that before the episode. But boy, oh boy, they both did not perform to expectations. In this game, though, I'm going with Yale. Experience and (laughs) Yale's offense is simply just going to score more points than whatever this UMass team can try to put on the board. Their offense, that just was disappointing to me. So they've only, their most, their highest points in a game is 11 against UMass Lowell. Just do better. Do better. Do better. Uh, yeah, the big headline from that Yale game um, was really just the first quarter, honestly. Penn State went up 8-1. to one. Uh, they, uh, Yale had two unreleasable penalties in that quarter. Didn't clear the ball at all. Zero clears. Zero for zero. Nothing. Zip. Nada. They only got the ball because, and scored because they want to face off. Um, and the rest of the game wasn't great either. They went 13 for 17, clearing overall 0 for 3 on EML. Offense just didn't respond well against Penn State's physical defense and the zone defense that they threw on them as well. Um, but they bounced back from that loss against Penn State last year, and I think they do it again. Um, UMass doesn't look impressive. 19 turnovers, 16 for 21 clearing and lost the face-off battle against Boston, which I think is probably one of the stronger points of their game. But I like Yale to uh, bounce back here. I think Matt's a, Matt's a little PO'd that that game went the way it did, and I think he's looking for a bounce back. Yeah, I mean, Yale has won two of the last three of this matchup, both in overtime. Uh, UMass won in 2020, 13-10. And I think Yale becomes their Ivy League brethren this week, and Yale becomes Brown. I think they show up after people like us doubt them. And I think if anyone can break this Gorillas defense more so than BU did, it's Yale. The question is, of course, Yale's defense. However, like I said last week, Yale's defense doesn't really have to play that much because UMass is not going to score more than 10 goals. And we know that (laughs) Yale is going to score more than 10 goals. And if you do that simple math, Yale wins. So I take the Bulldogs. All righty. Next up, VMI key debts coming off a tough loss um, against the Bonnies this weekend, playing Bellarmine in Bellarmine's second game of the week. I, I, I said it earlier, but I'm going to keep harping on it because it annoys the heck out of me. Just how ridiculous that short turnaround is for Bellarmine. You know, they got to travel from Marist and go all the way back and play a game a day later against a tough Bucknell team. And they now they have VMI, who I felt like they are felt slighted in that Bonaventure game. Um, but Bellarmine, 
they haven't lost this matchup um, at all. It's hard to take BMI after they lost to the Bonnies. Unfortunately, I don't think I'm very high on the key deaths anymore, but I'm hoping they have a lot of success, and I'm hoping they prove me wrong and take down Bellarmine. Yeah, I I agree with you, Voight. I, I'm taking Bellarmine in this matchup, and honestly, I'm taking it more so because Bellarmine's impressed me this season. I know we touched on it earlier about uh, when we talked about their midweek game against Bucknell, which I think they will lose, but they have looked impressive. And VMI, even though I thought Bonnie's were going to win that game, I did not think it was going to turn out the way it did at all. I thought it was going to be a one or two goal game and Bonaventure was just going to squeak out with it. So that that is why I'm picking Bellarmine in this game. And they're at home too. I just, VMI might be losing some steam. Yeah, I would so, so, so love to take a VMI in this game. I've spoken on this podcast before about Scott Ripley and this VMI team. I get really excited watching them. But look, Bellarmine has been straight up impressive. They've been impressive for a Bellarmine team. And they've shown up since that loss to Duke. And I, I do like him at home here. I think if it was at VMI, I would probably take a VMI. But I like Bellarmine at home here. Next up, Colgate. Taking on Boston. Yeah. First Patriot League game for these teams. Uh, this is probably Colgate's biggest game of the year that they need to win. Uh, second game, uh, while well, they're 0-2, they've turned the ball over 18 times in each of those two games. Um, just uh, slow to start each game. Uh, not a whole lot of scoring goes on until probably the second half. And that's tough to do against a Boston team who has started pretty fast in the last few games that they've played um, and continue to, to step on the gas pedal in the second half as well. So I, it's tough for me to pick Colgate because I haven't seen it from them yet. Um, but I'm going to take I'm going to take Boston here, but I'm hoping Colgate can prove me wrong again. Yeah, I think if Boston, I think Boston beating UMass was huge. Just for that program to breathe and say, okay, guys, we did win the Patriot League. We were a top 20 team. We went to the tournament. Like, And I think this is a next step in their healing process for the season. I think this is a tough game against Colgate. But I think like UMass, if they can beat them, I think they continue their steps to recovery and being a con- another contender in the Patriot once more. I don't think Boston's going to let the momentum they just built up with that UMass win go away. I like them in this game, too. All right, boys. Next one's very exciting because we have Sienna on the road to Dartmouth. And uh, guess what's happening in New Hampshire? The Big Green are going to win this one. And wait a second. Is Dartmouth at the top of the Ivy League standings after this weekend? I think so. Absolutely. They are. Absolutely. I think so. Let's go, Big Green. That's all I have to say. (laughs) Listen. I love your enthusiasm for the Big Green. I love the Big Green too. They they've been they've been pretty, playing pretty well. However, when I was researching this game, I was perplexed at the matchup because Dartmouth does look hot, but Siena is tested. They played a few they uh, played a few tough games, um, and they're actually top ten in turnovers a game this season. They've only turned the ball over ten times or less 
in each of their games. Um, so very promising stat for Siena. Interesting stat about Dartmouth. They are in the bottom 20 of turnovers per game. Don't look at that. Just ignore it. 27 turnovers in the first game. 17 in the next game. Significant drop-off, but still, 27 turnovers, come on. Like, I've seen sloppy teams at the beginning of the seasons. I don't see sloppy teams like that that turn the ball over 27 times and win games like that. So, love Dartmouth. Love their story. But I'm taking the Saints here. Wow. I Dartmouth was only nasty. able to beat Siena last year 11-9. to I think it's a similar type of game. But I think the Saints come out on top. Flabbergasted. I like the Saints this year, Voight. That is an ambitious pick, though. I I am sticking with Dartmouth on this one. Another Ivy League okay. team. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> is the Princeton Tigers. Fresh off a loss, which we will credit Voight for picking. Voight and his father, <laughs> Carl. Carl told me on the phone that the Terps were going to win, and I should have trusted him. He also said the Hounds were going to lose by three. That's true. That's true. Carl knows best. They lost by more than that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Princeton's got the Hoyas, Voight's favorite team. And uh, <laughs> look, we said last week that the Notre Dame-Georgetown game probably wasn't going to be that good. And we were right. And I think we're going to be right again this week by saying that this game might not be that good either. I don't think Princeton beats Georgetown the way that Notre Dame did, but I think they still beat Georgetown, and I think they kind of take off of their take off their angst uh, from losing to Maryland on Georgetown. So yeah, I Georgetown will be what zero and four? Is that right? That's just tough. That's tough. This is absolutely. a absolutely this this matchup is heartbreaking for me. I it's two teams I was so high on to begin the season, and I'm just gonna do it. It's putting the nail in the coffin for me. I am divorced from Georgetown Hoyas. Princeton is winning this game, and they are just out of this year. I don't think they're even a contender in the Big East anymore. I think that is Villanova's conference to lose at this point. Good night, yeah. Hoyas. Sweet <laughs> Prince. Absolutely. I'm um, just, yeah. You told Good me time. to avoid Go Tigers. <laughs> we round out this Ivy League slate with the number 19th ranked Harvard Crimson hosting Vermont fresh off that blizzard loss to Brown. It's kind of weird, I think, to have Harvard still ranked. I mean, I think they still deserve to be, but like they're just kind of hanging around, lurking around that 20 range. And look, I think they win this game and I think they continue to lurk around that 20 range until they lose or until they have a big win. This would be a really good game for Vermont to win. And I think for that reason, they probably make it close. But Sam King, that Harvard offense, that team can score goals just like Brown did. And I think Vermont is in the same position problematically where they play Devin McLean. And I think it's the same result, a loss. So I'm going to go with Harvard. Yeah, if Vermont hadn't lost the way that they did against Brown yesterday, I would be... A little bit more inclined to take Vermont here. Um, just very bad game for them. Tommy Burke went six for 17 at the faceoff dot in the first half. He got pulled a couple of times in the second half. Um, 
Vermont also sustained a couple injuries too. They lost their two top goal scorers or two top points leaders um, halfway through that game. So that was a big, that was also a big part why they just couldn't get anything going for a while on offense. Um, yeah, I like Harvard here. Um, they outlasted Bucknell Saturday night in that Snow Globe game. And I think they clean up a lot of the turnovers that they had in that game too. To be overly nice to Harvard, I'll paint a picture. Harvard lost to Virginia 25 to 21. And we still have them ranked at the back end. They're one and one. Virginia's their only lost. Our number six team in the country that we ranked just got demolished by Virginia 17 to six. So I think Harvard has every right to still be in this top 20. I do not think there are 20 teams better than Harvard in the country. And I think they're going to come out and they're also going to do something similar to Vermont that Brown did. And uh, won't be in a blizzard. It's at Harvard. I, I like them in this game a lot. All right. Next up, another Patriot League matchup. We got Lafayette taking on Loyola. Um, we've stated it a couple of times. Loyola had a tough loss against Rutgers. Second game for the Hounds this week um, after they played Towson on Wednesday. To be honest, I don't see Towson putting up much of a fight in this Loyola game. I think it's interesting for a little bit, but I think the second half, they just run away with it. And Towson, you know, just gets ready for UMBC on Saturday. Um, Lafayette, they had a big game against Binghamton. Uh, very controversial win for all of us. We we're kind of just caught off guard, but I like Loyola here. They're a better team. They can bounce back, and certainly this is a great Kickstarter game for them heading into the Patriot League games. Yeah, wait, uh, you said everything I would say. I like Loyola in this game too. What did I say last week? Hounds until championship weekend? Hell yeah, brother. Let's keep it going. <laughs> I love it. All right, next up, we have a very interesting matchup, I think. Manhattan is going up north, or I guess, yeah, a little bit north, to Bryant. And this game is going to be very interesting because Bryant's offense has been electric this year, and they have scored at least 15 goals in every single game. On the flip side, Manhattan's defense, especially their goalie, Perisic, like I said last week, has played great this year. And I would be mightily inclined to pick Manhattan in this game for, for two things. One, I'm a sucker for home field advantage. But two, and more importantly, the last two Manhattan outings, they put up a good fight against Princeton, but not too much. But more importantly, they were shaky against NJIT. They let that team in that game, and I I can't confidently pick against Bryant, especially after I just picked against Bryant last week and Quinnipiac, when I picked Quinnipiac, and they just completely smacked me in the face by saying, Garrett, you picked us against Boston. We let you down. We weren't going to let you down again. So I do not think Bryant's going to let me down a third week in a row. I like the Bulldogs in this game at home. Yeah, um, I agree. Shaky game from the Jaspers against NJIT. This is their last game before they start up the MAC. 
I think I said that right, Mac. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I like Brian here. I think Brian's shaking off the cobwebs from those first two games, um, and they take down a good Manhattan team. Bold pick of the week time, gentlemen. Give me the Jaspers in this one. That's right. Manhattan's goalie is a stud. People should be giving that man a handshake on campus. He's such a legend in the cage. All right. He's giving up an average of eight goals a game through four game. My man has 62 saves. That's right. 66% save percentage. This will be tough for Manhattan. I will grant you that. It's going to be a tough game. Okay. Brian's good. They've shown they're good. They've beaten teams without their legendary coach. However, I think Manhattan does what they're made to do in the big city. They make it a defensive battle, and they just score enough to win. Not a lot, just enough to win. I think it is. It looks a lot like the Navy game, and I think kind of the goalie and the defense stymies Bryant. So I'm going to bold, bold pick of the week. Give me the Jaspers. Mm. Don't like that one. Is that what is that supposed to be? Did you go there? Go Terps. <laughs> Don't you go to Hopkins? <laughs> yes, I actually uh, go there. <laughs> um, how about them Terps, baby? Really liked how they handled uh, Princeton. Uh, none of us were really too confident. I picked them, which I'm very glad. I'm very happy I picked them, which is why I'm picking them again this week. Um, moved attack and middies all over the field. Like I said, took position positionless across the heart defense was awesome may was all over the field wasn't letting princeton have any of it defense is all about physicality and swagger and i love to see it and uh that freshman goalie stepped up made plays 14 saves five goals against against very very good princeton team which is saying something 73 percent save percentage can't ask more from the young buck in cage i think he keeps the job um Notre Dame can't can't say anything more than what I've already said about Maryland it's it's a they're carbon copies of each other um other than you know Notre Dame has the Kavanaugh's um their defense is awesome as well offense looks unstoppable but I will say though a few stats popped out to me from that Georgetown game they went 11 for 27 at the faceoff, 20 turnovers 21 for 27 clearing they were tested a bit, um, and you know I think Weirman handles the face-off dot like he did against Princeton. Um, just sign me up for another Terps dub at home. Really love how these guys are playing. Really love how the offense move people around. Um, defense is great. Notre Dame can't speak much more about them. I think they're an awesome team, and this is just a sneak peek of what I think uh, is going to happen in May. Voight, I respect the hell, hell out of the pick. I'm going to go Notre Dame. But I am glad you shouted out Brian Rubel because that man stood on his freaking head in cage for UMD this weekend. And he was the game different. Like, he was the difference in that game. 
I mean, he was phenomenal, I think, in my mind. And he just shut that door entirely. And like you said, kudos to you for picking them last week against Princeton. I did not think they were going to have a chance, but damn, they played well. And the reason I have confidence in Notre Dame over this Maryland team is because I've seen more from them, I feel like, and I've seen better play out of them against some better teams than what Princeton did prior to playing against Maryland. And Maryland does have home field advantage this game, but I, this Notre Dame team, there are only two teams in the country right now that I think have a genuine good chance to beat Maryland. And that is Virginia and Notre Dame and Maryland just so happens to be playing one of them. So this is the only time I'm not going to be picking Maryland probably for the rest of the season in a game. And it, that's it. This is going to be a great game. It's going to be a great game. I am going to take the Golden Domers here. I think there's a reason they're not called the Irish and they're called the Fighting Irish. I think this team is on a revenge tour literally every week. I think they're still pissy about Harvard and I think they beat Maryland. I don't know what's the score line. I think the concern at the faceoff is real. But I think Notre Dame just finds ways to score goals. And Maryland, like some other teams this week, is a hot and cold team. I don't I don't know. And like, I mean, I look at Voigt last week and he was very tentative at picking the Terps. I think he's less tentative now and with good reason. But look, like, I think there's a reason we have Notre Dame ranked higher than Maryland. And it's not just because they won more games. I think Notre Dame's a better team. I think they're a little bit more cohesive overall. And I think Entenmann is also a stud in cage. So I'm going to go with the Irish. But yeah, this is this is the marquee matchup of the week in terms of rankings and, and pedigree and all those types of things. All righty. We've got our next matchup, which might be a uh, basically a flip of the skill set in this game from top of the league to possibly dead bottom of the league. Could be. We have Wagner visiting NJIT, and I'll keep it short. I said I am never picking NJIT again after they let me down against Mount, and I was so close. So, 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 so close to picking them again but I just can't do it. It will irk me to no end if they actually win one game. I'm going Wagner in this matchup. I think you're wise, but I wish you took NJIT. Yeah, the Seahawks are 7-0 and in this matchup. Uh, all matchups have been pretty close. I grant you that. And the Highlanders, I think, have shown some, some more skill this year. But I think this is Wagner's second win of the year. Let's go, Seahawks. Nothing to add. Go, Seahawks. Next up, we are in a home stretch. Utah is on the road against Rutgers. Uh, look, Utah had a very gritty game against Hopkins last week. Um, I have to imagine Utah flew back to Utah after that game, and then they're flying back out, although I could be wrong. That's just a no, lot they, of travel. They are. That's just a lot of travel for this team against another top 20 team, a team that we think is probably getting themselves back on track in Rutgers. And so, yeah, I'm going to take Rutgers in this one. Utah is on the struggle bus as well. Just another tough loss to Hopkins to fall to one and three. Um, and to be honest, I they're probably a panic team as well. Um, just high hopes for the A-Sun. We still kind of have high hopes for them in the conference. But I'm, I'm losing in confidence by the week, which is concerning. Um, so I'm going to take Rutgers here. But I hope Utah puts up a fight and... Proves me wrong. I'm I'm saying that a lot. 
lately. I'm just taking teams with no confidence, hoping that the other team will prove me wrong. <laughs> well, I have a lot of confidence in Rutgers in this game. I will also be picking the Scarlet Knights in this matchup. Interesting matchup. Um, St. Joseph's playing Johns Hopkins this weekend. Yeah, I was pretty close to picking Hopkins. I'll say it. Put that out there. Yeah, he was. But I think they're frauds. Um, they're not a good team without Melendez and Angelus um, down there on offense. Um, granted, they didn't do much of the scoring against Utah, but they were feeding the ball left and right uh, in that game. So solid game from the Jays against Utah, but I don't think they're all that. Um, for St. Joseph's, though, I'm just not convinced they're a top 10 team yet just because I, I don't like that they split time with goalies. I feel like if you don't have a true centerpiece goalie and you guys got, guys got flipping back and forth, it could cause some problems. Um, but granted, they're 3-0. and They played some pretty solid teams. Um, actually, no. Towson's really their only real test for me, honestly. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to take the Hawks here. Um, if they win this game, I'm definitely putting them in my top 10. But if they lose, they're, they're dropping off pretty far, not going to lie. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go Hawk Hill here. Oh, boy, boy, I hope this game will prove to you that St. Joe's is a top 10 team, finally. I know you are iffy about them. Very fair. I definitely am the one that is riding the St. Joe's bus the most out of the three of us. You are. I think you had them at six. If oh, they're seven for me this week. Yeah. No, they're, okay. they're top ten. They are top whoa, ten. Whoa, whoa, they whoa. are definitively top ten, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, this Their offense is just electric. And it's very concerning if you watch it and you're a fan because they start games very slow. But they yeah. are one of the best second-half teams, if not the best second-half team in the country, I think. They both in the Sacred Heart game and in the Providence game, I think they only scored seven goals in the first half in both of them. And in Providence, they scored 12 in the second half and Sacred Heart, they scored 10 in the second half. And Towson, that not like they scored more in the second half, but their defense locked it down in the second half and they were able to close that game out. So I, I like them a lot in this game. You are completely right. I do not know why they still split time between Seeley and McMillan because McMillan just has, like, it, it's mind-boggling. McMillan has a 52% save percentage. Seeley has a 23% save percentage. So I don't know why he's still stepping on the field. Um, I think in the most recent game, McMillan, I think that guy that you just said, um, he saw a lot of time in the uh, Providence game. And then the other guy stepped in for like the last four or five minutes. Oh, good, because it was a blowout. That makes sense, because in the Providence game, he didn't get a single shot faced on goal. So that that sounds right. Yeah, uh, but it is okay. confusing that they split time against Sacred Heart, considering yeah. it was a blowout win as well. Um, yes. But I'll have to go look at the box score of that game and see well, no, how they, that game was turning out. They split time in Towson. Sealy started that first half. And that's yeah. why they did so poorly. He had two saves to the nine goals that he allowed. And I think that's when 
I hope that's when St. Joe's coaching staff now understands that he should not be playing as the starter. He can uh, play in garbage time, not the starter. Uh, but that's why St. Joe's all the way in this game. Their offense is electric to me. Um, they All six of their starters can score in wild ways. I think it'll be a fun game to watch. I think this game is actually pretty simple. I think it's a great game, but St. Joe's has scored 17, 16, and 19, and three goals. Hopkins is a gritty team. They're more than capable of putting on a worst still around type of performance, but I in no way see Hopkins scoring 16, 17, 18, 19, or 20 on St. Joe's. I just don't. And I do see St. Joe's scoring that many on Hopkins. And again, simple math, St. Joe's wins that game. I think it's truly as simple as that. Why do I feel like you just jinxed the entire game? Oh, my gosh. Solely because Hopkins scores 20. I think this game is also pretty simple. Army playing Holy Cross. Holy Cross. They're probably driving the struggle bus, to be honest with you. Um, so yeah, I'm going to take army here, continue this run that they're going on. Yes. I will also take be taking army here. A hundred percent army in this game. All right. Our final kind of, maybe not final, our next good matchup of the weekend is the newly minted Penn state Nittany lions at 20 hosting the number nine Penn Quakers. Now here's what I would normally become void and Sing Katy Perry's Hot and Cold. I'm not going to do that. You know the lyrics. Stretch, stretch the vocal cords, Glazer. No, 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 no. You know the lyrics. You can listen Show to it, it after we're done this podcast shortly. But anyway, this is a Katy Perry Hot and Cold type of game. Both teams, hot, cold. You don't know what you're going to get. I think Penn State's been the more consistent team, but I think Penn on paper is probably the better team. Interestingly, last year's Penn, last year Penn won 10 to 9. It was their first victory in this uh, matchup from the last four. So it was kind of a big, big one for them. And this was kind of the age last year where Penn won those late one goal games and they were called the cardiac Quakers and all that. This game will be a game, no doubt about it. I think Penn State might be the surprise team of the year to date, like I think for all of D1 and for a whole body work resume, like even in their losses, they've played pretty darn freaking well. I think the Ivies as a collective, except Dartmouth, need a rebound week. And uh, I think for Penn, this is this is it, like the other Ivies. I think uh, they need to win this game to prove that the Ivies are still relevant. And while Penn State, Penn State is a very, very enticing pick, um, I'm going to have to go with the team that I've backed from the start and go with Penn. Yeah, my the way I came to my conclusion for my pick for this game was very straightforward, and it's the fact that Penn only plays in close games. Penn State is not great in close games. This past weekend against Yale, final score line, very close. But Penn State blew Yale out at the beginning of the game, and then they just almost fumbled the bag and let... Yale come back and beat them. This entire game, Penn's going to be right on Penn State's ass, even if Penn State takes the lead at some point. And I, I, I just don't, 
have full faith in Penn State to close out a game against a team like Penn, in my personal opinion. So that's why I'm going to go with the Quakers in a rebound game, just like Laser said. You you took the words right out of my mouth, Draven. Yeah, like the big headline of that Yale game that Penn State had was the first quarter going up 8-1. to one. But the rest of the game wasn't too – wasn't the cleanest game. But they certainly took advantage of opportunities when it mattered most. They went 14 for 20 clearing, 19 turnovers. Um, and they went 50% of the faceoff dot just to highlight some – weird like bad stats there but they also but also put 25 of their 42 shots on goal and went four for four on extra man and opportunities so certainly made the most of their opportunities and held out when they needed to um i really like their zone defense in that game if they can keep that success up great but more times than not that zone defense is going to get figured out especially if you start using it in the beginning of the season. Um, Penn defense looked frustrated and just out of sync in the second quarter. That Duke game, slow slides, slow recoveries, visibly frustrated when, when Duke went on that first half run. They, they lost the mental game early, and they just had to play catch-up the entire game. Um, there was a Duke fast break off of a Penn turnover that led to a goal, you know, one thing leads to another Duke player kind of gives a little love tap bump to a Penn defenseman. Suddenly you guys got, you got people in your face, guys are chirping at each other. Um, and then, you know, later on Duke goes and scores five more goals after that. So really the only bright spot for Penn was that third quarter and they were still down 10 to seven going into the fourth. And really the key to this game for me is just who's mentally stronger. Penn state jumped out to that big lead, but, almost fumbled the bag. Um, they did just enough to run home with the win, but I don't know if they can do that against this Penn team who I think can rip apart that zone defense. Um, other than Hanley and a couple other guys, they don't have many outside shooters, but their attack is really good at finding space and being in the right spots for assisted goals. So I like the Quakers here. Moving on to our next game, second to last on Saturday for this week. We've got the Richmond Spiders visiting Virginia. Yeah, this is super brief for me. UVA toyed with an OSU team that I thought was in the top five and just made them look like not a top 20 team, like I mentioned earlier. I No matter how good Richmond has looked these past few weeks since their Maryland lost, they're not winning against Virginia. So I'm taking UVA in this matchup. Lightning will not strike twice for the Spiders in this matchup. What a win last year, but... I do not think it happens this year. Yeah, Virginia stays number one. Yeah, I think UVA, this is a big revenge game for them. Um, but it's another trap game too, or trap game scenario, rather, for the Cavs. But I think it's different. I think they take care of business. Alrighty, our last game on Saturday this week, we've got Jacksonville Dolphins going to visit High Point. This is High Point team that's on a four-game win streak against some cupcake opponent opponents and in this nice old rekindled a sun rivalry game. SoCon. SoCon, you're right, not a sun. Um I I think this is gonna be a good way to actually see where both of these teams are. And I say that because I think Jacksonville will easily beat High Point and show that they are a okay team for this year and that Jacksonville is still on that fringe top 20 contention. So I like Jacksonville in this game. 
Jacksonville should beat High Point easily. Whether they do or not remains to be seen, of course. I think they're ranked relatively high for us, but that's because, yeah, they've been on this win streak. I think objectively they're probably not the 13th or 14th best team in the country, but teams are below them, I think, for for now for a good reason. Yeah, I think they win, but they probably drop in the rankings, quite honestly, based upon what other teams do. Yeah, Jacksonville is one of those teams this week that, you know, hasn't played in over two weeks or almost two weeks. So they've had a lot of prep, a lot of rest, a lot of time to figure out some things, clean up some things. I also was just wondering, like, have you guys heard anything about Wall Bomb or seen anything? No. No idea. Yeah, I listened. He was on the most recent uh, Jacksonville Lacrosse podcast, which is like half an hour long. I, I I listened to it trying to like get the dirty deets, but unfortunately the interview was very vanilla, very surface level. Just talked about him going from Tufts to Duval and his recruitment uh, to Tufts and all that. So um, I like Jacksonville here, but I'm not too sold without wall bomb for the rest of the Atlantic 10. But I think they take this game against high point. We conclude week four with an ACC classic. Duke goes north to the Dome. The number five ranked Duke Blue Devils go north to the Dome to take on Syracuse, who is now on a two-game slide. I think this game's kind of easy. I think it's now a three-game slide. Duke's had their February slump. They've gotten rid of it. They've gotten back on track. And now I think they say, okay, let's play lacrosse. It's now March. It's time for Duke to get in contention time. Still some questions around the Blue Devils, but I think this presents a really good opportunity for Duke to get another win. I think Syracuse has been exposed in these last couple games for the youth and the sketchiness that they are sometimes and that you cannot rely on your goalie for your entire season every game, as good as Will Mark is. So, yes, I'm going to take Duke. I, I You should watch it. It's the only Sunday game. It'll be good. Yeah, um, Duke, they stepped on Penn's neck this weekend. Eight-goal run in the first half. It's the biggest shift in the game, and they just won the mental game against the Quakers. Cuse, they look worse every time I watch them, to be honest with you. Um, like, Lil Mark, you can only do so much, kid. I'm, I hope they can figure everything out, but the way these guys are coaching – and the way the players are playing just doesn't look too good for the Orange right now. I think Duke, as far as the rest of the season goes, they have to play Syracuse again. So this is the first of their two matchups. So, you know, if Cuse drops this game, not the end of the world. But at this point, I think they need to win this game to stay in contention for a bit in the tournament because ACC, there's no automatic qualifier for the tournament um, and only so many teams get that bid. So I'm going to take Duke here, but big time game. If you're Syracuse. Yeah, this is easy for me, Duke. I don't think Syracuse wins a single ACC game this year after what I saw against North Carolina. I just don't think it's possible. All right. Well, there we have it. Week four in the books. Enjoy the games, everyone. Boys, any quick final thoughts? It's been a long episode. Big, big, big Saturday slate again. Every week from here on out until May.
we're getting a little taste of conference play this week before it really starts to get ramped up uh, in the next probably week and a half, two weeks. True. So, very true, Floyd. you know, windows closing for these teams. Um, the last opportunity for a lot of teams to, you know, get some RPI rep and, you know, boost their resumes. Um, and I think we've highlighted those teams well this week. Certainly a lot of marquee matchups, certainly a lot of teams who play at a, at the same level-ish skill and talent-wise, but should make some for some very interesting games. Um, yeah, go Terps. Cool. Well, that does it for us here this week. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you all next week. And may the picks be ever in your favor. <laughs>